Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have an amazing guest from Australia. It's Anthony Strezlecki. Did I pronounce it right? Perfect. <laughs> so what's, go- what's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, going really well. Thank you. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so Anthony is, um, I talked to Anthony about two years ago. Um, he found out that he had Kleinfelder syndrome and he reached out and I, we kind of had a little bit of a chat. Um, and it's been about, what, two years since we've talked? Yeah, about two years. Yeah. So can you kind of just, I'll, I'll let you just take over and, and uh, can kind of right. give us a rundown of, of how we met and, and go from there? Yeah. So I guess in um, about July of 2020, um, I was on the pathway of trying to have kids and found out that um, through any trial and error, um, I had azoospermia. Um, so obviously I had no swimmers in my ejaculate. Um, and then through that, they kept trying to find out why, what happened, uh, end up getting blood tests and found out I had XXY 47. And from that point, I was just looking out saying, okay, what is this? What am I? Who am I trying to find out? Um, is there any anything different that I've known about myself from ages? Like I feel like a normal human. I've just been doing my thing, getting through life and school and job and wife. And then now I'm here. And how does it make me any different to anybody else? Um, I guess basically it wasn't that we're any different. We're just made up. Absolutely, everyone's unique. So that's how it was. And then we ended up stumbling upon your um, Facebook group and website. And I think it was my wife who actually prompted me to reach out to you because at the time I was like, oh, no, no, I'm just trying to process it all. I'm just trying to get through my head before I figure out, reach out to anybody. Could be, I don't know. I just was like, what if, what if I stumble into something else that's I didn't really want to know about beforehand? Uh, and then I reached out to you. You called me straight away and we had a long chat for, I felt like it was like an hour or so, just like, talking about our experiences there's so many common ground common commonalities that we have and you know just just listening to you as well and and your research it was um pretty just nice it's nice to have that extra um there that gets you and that understands you and just like was like fighting for you or cheering for you for the background it's nice to have that too uh, and then to find out that uh, there's more guys in australia and Ryan, you, you hooked us up with a little Facebook uh, chat with um, four or five guys at the time. Oh, okay. It was just nice to... Yeah, I remember that with like Jeff and Tom and Chris and, and there yeah, was a couple right. of... Joel, maybe Joel was in there. There's a couple other extra... extra. Joel. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of extra guys in there as well. And it's just, it was just nice to just chat in there a little bit. Um, it's just nice to know there's other people here too, which is, which is really good. It just definitely makes you not feel like you're alone uh, in something that's so new to you um but yet you've lived it your whole life without knowing i guess um so how yeah so after how did you sorry how did you you found out around 32 how did you do like how did the diagnosis once you got the diagnosis like how did it affect you emotionally oh yeah so emotionally i was probably pretty much hit rock bottom, I guess, in a way, because I had set myself up for so long thinking, I want to have kids, I want to pass on my genetic like makeup, especially so like my heritage, I'm always down for the lineage as well. And so my parents and uh, 
I guess my father's side's from Poland and I want to pass the name down as, as well as the genetic makeup and, and all that. And I was just a bit distraught, I guess. It takes a while to sink in, um, especially for me. It takes a long time for things to, to sink in and process a lot longer than what other people would be sometimes. Um, yeah, and I kind of felt really sad for a long time, really sad for myself. Um, but just knowing that it doesn't really change anything, um, which is the biggest outcome of it. Um, yeah, it probably took me about a good year and a half to actually like come to terms with it all, uh, which is not that long <laughs> anyways. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of self-reflect, I guess, and I kind of come out of that eventually. Uh, and I guess since then I've, I've had a child, we're skipping forward a bit, but we've had a child and I don't really have time to worry about myself too much anymore, especially when all the onus is on me and us to look after a young kid and make sure he stays alive. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. How, how did, how did you deal? Like, how did you learn acceptance? How, like it said, you said it took you a year and a half of figuring it out. Like when the diagnosis hit, was it something that you kept, obviously your wife knew, but was it something that you kept a secret? You didn't tell family or friends about it and, or mm. how did that work out for you? I definitely told, uh, family and friends, like close family and friends, um, because it was quite a large part, um, of that, I guess through the diagnosis, I found out that, um, that I can't, can't, um, I guess make babies in a way, uh, that others can, uh, who also do sometimes have a, the same diagnosis as well. Uh, we ended up trying everything. Um, I guess it's just because I tried everything I possibly could to conceive, um, and that kind of made me go, okay, well, God hasn't got it for me. Maybe there's a reason I can't pass on my genes uh, outside of the XXY, uh, that it might be worse off if we keep trying to, you know, make a deal with the devil and try and use, make my sperm work with Amy's egg. Um, so I just kind of like let it be and was like, okay, look, well, I can't pass on my genes, like my looks, but I can pass on my knowledge and my, um, it's my way of life and I feel like that's that's epic as it is um, to pass on those so it kind of just slowly it just seeped in slowly and then just being happy with who I am I guess yeah what what did you try like what you said you did a list of things so can you can you walk us through all the things that you tried oh to make myself feel better no just uh, uh, like <laughs> did you do the micro test surgery oh, yeah yep so I guess from the get-go from the the first time I started eating healthier, because obviously if you start eating healthier, you can also produce more uh, natural testosterone. You start working out, looking after yourself a bit more, try to cut down on the nasty foods. Uh, I didn't drink for about a year, uh, cut out coffee, did all those things that you could do. Just just tried the, the very best I could um, for a while. It wasn't sustainable. Well, yeah. you always got your vices yeah, you gotta uh, live life too right yeah 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 uh and then after that we did the just the the, the local the teasy which that's just like a stab in the dark uh stab it into your balls and try and find something a needle in a haystack for some people that works for some people it doesn't mm -hmm. uh and then i found out after you do that you need to have three months i think it over oh, six months sorry for for your testes to recover before you can do anything else. Uh, so I guess with our pressures was like, my wife and I wanted to have kids and we wanted to get it going. So then we thought, oh great, now we've got to wait six months. So 
for that time, that's when you eat healthier. And then I think it was like March of 2021, I booked myself in and we went and had a micro teaser and that was in uh, Melbourne. So East, if I get it right this time. Yep, there uh, you go. Where I am, <laughs> we'll get it one day. Uh, and then, so yeah, we went there and did that, did the micro teaser day. And then um, I think they spent, I think it was 10 or 12 hours that the um, the doctors spent like looking through this, the all the folds. I wasn't under for 10 or 12 hours. I was, I was under for two hours. Uh, and then they've took heaps of samples and they were just looking through each of the leaves like in, in the testes, like they spent ages. So like hats off to them, amazing. Couldn't ask for any more. They ended up only finding six sperm, um, all of like varying sizes and shapes. Um, and uh, out of those six, uh, they didn't create any embryos, unfortunately. Um, so that was kind of like, all right, well, we've tried everything. Like that's everything I could possibly do now. If they say they can't find anything there, then that's nothing there, we can't do anymore. Sorry, it, no, no, yeah, of course. Sorry, just had nope. some uh, dogs that wanted to go out. <laughs> Not a problem. So, was the was the surgery like going to because um, you're in Adelaide, like going to Melbourne? Was the surgery covered by insurance or by the healthcare system yeah. in Australia, or was that out of pocket for you guys? Um, so that was out of pocket for us because I didn't uh, sign up for private health insurance thinking that I would need to do this fertility uh, operation. Like, and, and to get the um, health insurance, you need to be signed on for a, at least a year before you can claim. So that was out of pocket expense. I think it was around, oh, I can't remember, but I think it's around $3,000. Okay. I think it cost. I mean, it's not cheap, um, but what's what's cheap when you're trying to create a family? Like, what's what's the value of that? I think it's like I think it's cheap. So, yeah. So that's that's roughly um, that's for right now. That's roughly around um, the dollar doesn't seem to be doing roughly around two thousand American USD dollars. Sorry, I've got uh, my little man. Do you reckon I can get yeah, him to come in real ab quick? Absolutely, Alex. Do you want to meet Ryan? <laughs> Hi, Ryan. This is little Alexander. Hello. <laughs> wow. Don't know where to look. There's very bright lights. <laughs> what did you say to Ryan? You say, Hi. <laughs> How does it feel to be a dad after everything that you've gone through? It feels amazing, actually. I thought, sorry, we're skipping forward a little bit no, it's here. Okay. But, yeah. Um, just literally, like, I thought that because I didn't have my DNA in him, that I would never love, I wouldn't love him as much as what I would if I had. You're saying hello, little snotty Bugatti. <laughs> I'll let you go. Go to my mum. Bye. <laughs> um, so I think that I thought that I wouldn't love him as much as what I would if it had my own DNA in there before. But as soon as he came out, I was just like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. 
this little creature is now ours to look after and it's just I can't even describe it it was literally like love at first sight and I just had never felt that before so that was incredible yeah. So you were you were worried. I think there's a common characteristic with a lot of the men in our community that find out later, like trying to have kids as they think like going through donor sperm. They think that they're never like their child's not going to love them because they like they're not biological or they're not going to be able to accept them being not being biological. And the, the men seem to go and go yeah. through that. They're like, it's kind of the same grieving process throughout all the guys and how like they 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 worry about it and they think about it and then the day that the pregnancy comes and the day that child they hold the child and they get that um that like time where they're on your chest during that like yes. I don't forget what it's called but um like they get that time and all that worry and everything about that like goes out the window. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still think about it most days, but now it doesn't really affect me as much as what I was before he was here. Uh, I guess because of the things I've mentioned before is that he's just going to turn out to who we are. You know, you teach him one thing, he's going to do what you teach him. You're there every day, you're there every night. You know, he doesn't know anybody else. You are his father or you are his mother. Like that's it. It's simple. So you did yeah. the you yeah. did all the micro te- you did the micro test surgery and you did the the poke and all the other things. Yeah. What when did you come to the acceptance? Like how how long after did you come to the acceptance that you guys were going to do donor sperm? Uh, actually, pretty quick. So we'd actually thought about this a long time before. So we got all our things in place that we were like, okay, so this is the last chance. This is the last end of the road, I guess, for me and as such. Um, and that if this wasn't successful, then we would go and do donor sperm. And that we knew, sorry, Alex, you wanted to come back in? <laughs> and we knew that, uh, that, what do we know? We knew that if, yeah, if I couldn't get anything, then we would probably have to go on to the next thing. And we knew that if, if I wasn't in that frame of mind, I wouldn't want to do it like, after I found out. So we were like, okay, we'll put these steps in place. So it was literally, about four weeks afterwards, we still went ahead with the donor sperm because we already had it with us. Um, so you because you prepared, you 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 basically didn't put yeah. all of your eggs in the micro test basket. You were like, I want to have Plan B, especially if we're doing IVF with spending yeah. all the money out of pocket that you guys are spending. You guys wanted yeah. to make sure that if it didn't go through, that you had the chance to do something different. That's right. That's right. So we wanted to just make sure it was continuing. Uh, I did struggle with that for a while um, because I was still grieving the fact that I couldn't have kids. Um, But it eventually got better afterwards. After a while, Um, I'm pretty, I'm normally a pretty relaxed guy. So um, I just slowly, slowly get through it myself. And I came out the other end, which was good. Is there anything that you have written down during, like, I know you have some notes in front of you and is there anything written down before we kind of get into learning that you guys were pregnant? Yeah. Um, I guess it's that I, after the micro tease, I guess the silver lining for me, which helped me as well, uh, was that the ability to go onto testosterone and because you can't really go onto, uh, additional uh, testosterone until you've had a look at all your options. Cause as soon as you start that process, then your body's not going to create any more 
sperm mm -hmm. than what it already has. So you effectively become um, sterile. Sterile, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so that was a little silver lining for me that helped me get through it a bit more, is because now I can get help. I can I can talk to more people about my health as well, even though that's selfish. I know, but um, in this in the situation where we were with the fertility. And I found that helpful as well to help me kind of heal the, I guess, heal a bit and, and help soften the grieving. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that helping yourself during that situation is selfish, right? Like I think that's, that's one of the big aspects of Kleinfelder syndrome is there's so much unknown with this, this surgery to try to extract sperm. And then there's, and then there's also a lot of information about testosterone. Like testosterone is obviously a benefit to most of the men that take it in our community that have never had it. And then we can, we can touch on that in a minute. And then there's not a lot of research about like, well, do they, is it, does testosterone actually kill the sperm? Like what's the time frame? Like you're, you got diagnosed and then here we are like a year later and you're finally able to go on T. And so like going on T, what, what did you notice? Uh, did you notice things out right away or like, what have you noticed since being on T for how long have you been on it now? It's actually, uh, end of the month, it's two years. Okay. So yeah, so it's gone really quickly. Um, but so I guess for myself in a way, I know it doesn't affect everybody the same way uh, as I've learned as well, talking to other guys in Australia uh, is that for me personally, it made me feel like I was going through, um, going, I guess through puberty again, or having that, that uh, puberty that I never, oh, I did really have it, but it's, it's insane really. So uh, sex drive went through the roof, <laughs> which is not great timing when you're, trying to conceive and yeah. have a baby through IVF. Uh, but yeah, that happened. Uh, and then, yeah, I just, I felt like I had less pain in my body. So I used to wake up and go to sleep every night with sore legs. And once I started the testosterone, be it just coincidence or whatever, I just felt like that pain disappeared because my body had time to actually recover and start to actually get recovery. Whereas before you're always just going and going and going, just pushing through that tiredness. Um, I stopped having naps in the afternoon. That was massive. Uh, actually had a lot more energy throughout the day. And then, yeah, I just started to get more facial hair. Uh, so <laughs> were, you, were you never able to grow a mustache? No, not this thick. This one's from December last year. And so just slowly growing it out, but, uh, yeah, we're getting there. So what, what, um, I know in Australia, not a lot of people that, um, like listen to the podcast or uh, there's different methods of testosterone throughout the different countries. Yeah. And so what are, what are you on and, and, you know, what was your first, I'm assuming you're on the injection. Yeah. So it's the, um, every, I guess it's like every 12 weeks, they give you an injection and then it just, um, was it Nebri four mil? Is it like Nebrio yeah. or something? Yeah. So that's an R. Yeah, okay. So uh, ra ra it's like radon or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I can get it from the kitchen. I anyways, should know. So. I should know these things, but it's okay. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, for me, I just went down that option because I thought um, I forget quite often. I have to write lots of things down. So um, if I had to do something every day, um, be it like a bit of ointment or 
I don't think they offer the small jabs in Australia, like the, the daily jab. Um, so, uh, so I haven't really done that option either, or putting it, taking a tablet, or or, or the other options there. Um, the patches, stuff like that. Just like if I'm working on the tools, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, come on then. Sorry, Ryan. No, it's okay. You got a little guest, and he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. So I would. I wouldn't be able to do all that stuff. Yeah, deal, dealing with the patches, the creams, the gels, like all of that. It's yeah. It's definitely um, when it comes to like executive functions or or remembering to use it. And I, I've tried all of them, um, except for a couple. Oh, I've never tried the ones that you guys have, um, like the yeah. thousand milligram injection that you get in your bum. Is that is that what you're? That's it. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Do you want to get that? Could you get the? Um, testosterone for us. Just want to show. <laughs> yeah, show and tell. <laughs> yeah, okay. Why not? Uh, yeah, so that's the one that we get every three months ish. Uh, for me, we've brought, brought it back down to about eleven weeks, and it kind of just keeps me up up in the range, which is really good. Did you notice um, when you did first try it? Like, did you notice a major fall off? Yeah, definitely. Thanks. So. Um, so for us, I guess it's okay. Can see that. Oh, yeah. Re, re. I don't so, know how to pronounce that. Reen, reendron, reendron. Yeah, it's just the same as what you get in the little vial, anyways. So, a thousand mil. A thousand mil, and all that goes in at once. All of it goes in at once. It's uh, painful. Um, I'll let you. It's fine. Uh, yeah, the first time definitely not fun. I uh, felt like I'd been stung by wasps multiple times, and it lasted a few days as well. Uh, when I couldn't even like walk your leg out, it just ugh. anything you did, you're like, oh, do I rub my bum? No, that makes it worse. <laughs> so you just sit down and just it goes away eventually. Now it's fine. Uh, I think they put it in and I go back to work. So yeah. So you have to go, it's not something that you can do at home. Um, maybe eventually, but at the moment, or at the time I was very comfortable with my, my GP, my doctor, um, to do it. Uh, he actually does or did a few other patients that he had, uh, monthly, uh, injections. Okay. So he was very confident to do it right. Uh, and in the right spot, I even had. I showed him your video, I think, once you did the right spot to do it. And he's like, I know, I've done this before. I'm like, okay, just checking. <laughs> so basically getting on testosterone has, like it was something that you were going through the process to make sure that you checked off all the boxes, which helped you with acceptance. And then when you got on testosterone, yeah, you realized what life could have been or what life, like you've, you know the difference between your past and now being on testosterone and how testosterone has made a major difference in your life? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, definitely being on testosterone has helped me. I did find that my, uh, I guess, what's it, my tether or my fuse, I guess some people would call it, um, I did shorten a lot because a lot of the time I was just a really relaxed, hey going guy, like nothing really phased me or bothered me. And I have found that has shortened. It could be because of the testosterone, but it could also be through the high pressure work as well. Um, or it could be combination. Um, yeah, what, what it do definitely you, has helped. What do you do for work? 
Uh, so I've been an electrician for about 10 years. And then of late in the last year, I've just jumped off the tools and now project manager looking after a myriad of different jobs, searching for work and building relationships with people that then give us us work throughout Adelaide and, and South Australia. So you really, for doing electrician for 10 years, you really liked working with your hands and you really, really, enjoy, you were really excelled in it. Yeah, just definitely like, uh, love fault find, I like fault finding or problem solving. That's literally the best, best way forwards. Uh, anything that has an answer is perfect. And I think that's quite standard, I guess, for us as well. Yeah, which yeah. which is interesting is for with a lot of the men with Kleinfelder syndrome, you know, looking at the similarities, looking at the positives, working with their hands, kinetic learners learn by doing, and then being observer, Definitely. being observers, observing a situation or something, watching how everyone works, or or watching something being done at work, and then and then being a problem solver is these are some of the best characteristics of some of the guys um, or a lot of the guys within our community. We all share a commonality with a lot of these things. Um, and I know they've never been studied, but it's something by meeting so many men and talking to so many men, these are like the standard things that all of them say. And, um, you know, if they do find a job that they enjoy, that they're good with their hands, like electrician, plumber, a lot of these kind of, um, they, but they're super well-paying jobs. I was a chef. So all these hands-on jobs and, and there's a lot of passion with being able to just work in the field, go somewhere new, have something that you know you're, you know, you've got the confidence and you, you have your skill and that, that's really awesome. Uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to in the future to try to probably try to study to figure out like career paths for some of the younger guys so they can accept themselves for who they are and they don't have to fight to go to college or do the things that everyone else is doing and just be like hey this is me this is what i'm good at and there's a career in this and i'm going to kind of push my life towards that that area um i kind of want to i think we've touched like testosterone is a really big topic in our community and a lot of families um with younger kids getting on t when they go through puberty which you didn't have the opportunity to do but you know, the fact that you have it now and it's made a major difference and you're, you're speaking on it is like super important because um, there's a lot of like what ifs out there. And the more families and guys that say like, did, do you feel like T changed you? Like, change, do you feel like it changed your personality or changed who you were as a person? I don't think it's changed me who I am fundamentally at all. I think it's just helped, uh, helped me get to where my full potential has been. Well, has always been, but it's it has been a bit of a mind game as well. It can be. Um, I have heard of other people just not liking the feelings. Um, Missy, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> sorry, mate. Can you no. just keep him out? I know. Sorry. Okay, that's life. Sorry, that, that, that's life with one, you know, with a one-year-old. <laughs> I know, I know, definitely is. Um, so what was I saying? This uh, hasn't really changed me, but it's just, it's yeah. The mind game of it is that you kind of just need to um, work through some of the different feelings that you haven't felt before. Like having extra testosterone, like brings up certain levels in your body as well. So it's really like. Oh, I haven't felt this feeling before. What's going on? Not freaking out about it. Mm -hmm. And just, I guess Jeff put it a good way when I spoke to him a couple of years ago. So he's in, uh, in Victoria as well, is that 
he just felt like there's waves. Sometimes there's like a good wave of a good feeling and sometimes there's a bad wave. You just have to ride it out and it will go away. Um, which I found that kind of resonated with me a lot and helped me out a lot. So when I felt terrible, I was like, well, this might not be from what's happening around me. This is just might be from these new feelings of testosterone because we haven't had this in our body before. I hadn't had it in my body for 32 years or that, that amount of it. Yes, I've had testosterone, but not, not like this much in my, in my backside. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot to learn and, and you can't be hard on yourself as well at the start. Like with anything, you have to give it time to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's like filling, you know, you've been running on fumes and your gas tank is just like fumes recycling, recycling. That's why you have taken the naps and all the things you do, yeah. energy drinks and coffee and all these things to try to stay awake. And then you get this like in Australia the th- or in the UK, the 1,000 milligram injection is definitely way different than what we have available in the States. Um, but it's like talking to Jeff and a lot of the other guys, it's kind of like a roller coaster. And you reach mm. when you do that injection, at least when you do the 1,000 milligram, you reach that peak point of the roller coaster. And then you like slowly are going downhill. And a lot of the guys going from like no tea, like you said, and then just to getting like 1,000 milligrams, your body is like, whoa, what's this? Like... And mm-hmm. you're some some of the guys haven't had like the best experiences with the with the thousand milligram injections, yeah, and so exactly. I I do know that in Australia they've they've done some of the guys like Tom mentioned starting like with whatever the lowest dose they can give you possible and then getting your body used to it and then getting yeah. working yourself up to that thousand milligram injection which is which is like huge huge advocacy of knowing that you can like advocate for yourself to do that and, and have that available. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's the T the T is, I would, you know, you mentioned the being like having a high sex drive and then all of a sudden you're doing IVF. Like I can, I mean, I've, I got diagnosed young, but testosterone, like high sex drive is just part of T and to have that, like to have it, to finally have a drive, but then not be able to actually like utilize the drive because you're going through IVF could be like really, I never thought about that until you mentioned it. Like that could be a really hard um, like aspect of communication between you and your spouse or you and your partner um, communicating your needs. Cause now all of a sudden you have needs. Um, was that a difficult process for you? Uh, not really, I guess. Cause like our communication is quite, on point okay. um we've, we we literally talk about everything uh which is which is great uh but i guess it's just what do you do like <laughs> yeah. you just have to do the only thing you know how to do so yeah. um you just have to look after your own needs for a while and just be aware that you know there's two people in this this family that are at the time like that everyone has needs and you can't be selfish and be like well i want this i need this just yeah. like especially when you're going through something new with testosterone and, and new feelings, new thoughts, new emotions, like just learning yourself in that situation and not trying to be impulsive, like impulsively reacting to how you feel. Yeah. So definitely. what was, I want to kind of get into the pregnancy. What was when yeah, you guys found out that you were pregnant, what was that feeling like for you? Um, scary and excited at the same time okay because <laughs> you're like you know finally it's 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 come through uh 
is happening. Um, just just being a super supportive partner really is is how I I felt. Um, and then yeah, as, as it progressed through the the months, he's like, oh, it's definitely becoming more more real now. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, my belly gets bigger, and it's yeah. I thought um, I guess one one thing to put on that at the pregnancy as well, because I couldn't um, donate my my sperm, my DNA. I actually put a lot more effort into the pregnancy and into um, Alex as well. Now is that I just try and be full fully there for my partner and just everything we need to do together and because you know i just i don't know i felt like i was making up for what i haven't put in okay like, you know sometimes you guys get guys go all right done my job okay i'll see you in nine months you know or see you in a year or whatever when when i'm useful to you again um but i definitely was very uh what's the word very um invest you were invested invested yeah yeah and definitely putting all my effort into it as well because i want to make sure that this child of ours is going to be well looked after and is loved as well. So, yeah. Did you have any, did, like when you guys got pregnant? Yeah. And, and so I wanted to kind of touch base on family and friends. You know, it's something that when you got your diagnosis, you let people know the close ones around you. Um, how, like, did, or did you find anyone negative or ignorance or was it all supportive for you? Everything was all supportive uh some people thought it'd come out of out of the blue but i was just trying to be open with them um but then it's just like you tell people so for me i was like i told people i've got client filters or i've got xxy uh, we've had to use uh donor sperm people acknowledge it but they don't remember it so when their child's born like oh it looks just like you and oh it looks so much like you that just took me a while to get sleep in i'm like you got no idea, do you? Like, I told you nine months ago, he hasn't got my DNA in me, like in him. So just, I mean, that's sometimes tough to get used to, but you just smile and nod in the end. At the end of the day, that's fine. It's lucky that he looks like me at the moment, you know? So who knows what he looks like in the end, but um, that's okay. Yeah. So when it when you guys were pregnant, letting family and friends know that you guys were pregnant, that was a big like happy parents and everyone were. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. Everyone's everyone's all happy for it and really embraced us. Um, and then like, we were very open about using donor sperm as well. Uh, even so that we even read him books that is just like that about donor sperm, like children books about how our doctor helped us because um, dad awesome. didn't have any so we had to go to a doctor we just really want to normalize it and don't want to be like when he goes to school it's like oh my dad's this or this is like this we want him to know like if if i don't look like him that's great but i'm still going to be your father so. i mean you mentioned something that is so like that telling telling your son early about donor sperm and who he is and reading him books about it that's exactly what I'm trying to do with Kleinfelder syndrome is all these families that are finding out in utero now, like embrace the diagnosis. Don't wait until he's 13 or 14 years old to tell him definitely, and drop definitely. the bomb on him, like embrace it and graze him with knowing about it. Read books, you know, tell him he has an extra chromosome. He's that he's got these special skills, but he also might need help with these challenges and, and get him to embrace who he is. Cause just like your son, he's going to, he'll, he's going to have questions at some point. And he's, if you make it open and it's, it's like this open environment, he's going to come to you guys with those questions when he feels them instead of feeling like he has to hide them. 
And that's so right. similar to the XXY. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, you know, you mentioned, and we're, we'll, we get in, we'll get into it in a minute, but you mentioned how like the pregnancy, like once your son was there, you were holding him, like the donor sperm, the, the Klein filter, like everything was gone. And with all the mothers in utero, that is the number one thing we hear is they are like stressed to the max during their pregnancy. They're think a lot of parents terminate. They're not thinking about continuing. Then when their child is there and they're holding them in their arms, they have no feeling or thought that their son has Kleinfelder syndrome. And there's, there's so much similarity between the adult males that find out later in life and what their process and how they go through it. And the, the newly diagnosed mothers that are being diagnosed with kids with XXY. It's, it's, you know, and I'm, I'm like happy that you're so open with your son about being donor sperm because then he's not going to feel anything different later on in life. He's not going to feel like he shouldn't be here or whatever that may, his life's not like, you know, not, he doesn't have a purpose or anything like that. And that's, that's like, that's really good qualities of just being a dad, you know, that's, and that, that's something that you never thought that you'd be able to do. And here you are, you're doing it. Definitely, definitely. It's massive. It's good. And I think, yeah, for anybody to know that it just to normalize everything is just the best way to be about it. So I'm I'll definitely be looking forward to your children book coming out soon, XXY. There is one. <laughs> there there is one. It's available on Amazon. It's called okay. it's called Extra Special Me. So it's X T dash T R A special me and it's available on amazon and it's written by pam winters who is a mother um she wrote it in honor of her son but she took she listened to every single podcast in the last couple of months um her son didn't find out until i think like five years ago and he's in his mid-30s um and she decided that she's a special education teacher um and she's decided to write this book about it it's like a poem it and it's it's for two to six year olds and it's super awesome. Yeah. And it basically breaks down like superpowers and like all the things we're good at, but some of the things that we might struggle with and kind of helping like change like the pendulum switch to um, embracing it at get, helping, helping parents embrace it at a young age to where they can be open and they can accept the parents can accept it. So they can, you know, kind of try transfer that acceptance to their child. Yeah, so, well, I'm going to go buy it now. So that's good. Um, what, so I'm, I'm kind of just let, let me, I want to get kind of the pregnancy, like the day that your son was born, what, what, yeah. you know, nervousness, like no sleep. Yeah, what, what, what was, what was it like? Um, so because, because we did through IVF, um, doctors here in Australia have a tendency to want to induce you early. Uh, so and we were much opposed to that. We we're doing a lot of hypnobirthing sessions as well, because we we're trying to do it all natural. Okay. Um, so that also brings the partner myself into it as well. So we pay, play a key role by helping um, your wife or partner to to be stay calm and kind of stay in the the, the zone and and breathe and lots of breathing techniques and trying to keep you sort of like a meditative state. Um, and then so that we pay, play a huge role in that. Um, so then we eventually got to hospital and they had to induce us a little bit. Um, and then it just started, I guess, say 10 PM at night. Uh, my partner had pains. She thought she had a tummy ache or whatever. 
and then it slowly got heavier and heavier and I'm like, oh no, here it comes. So um, we both got up and it was a pretty quick process for us. I think it was about four or five hours that from when she was in hospital uh, to when the baby came out um, and bless her, she's an absolute trooper. She ended up doing it without any pain medication uh, at all. Um, so wow. realistically, yeah, just, we're in and out of the shower. Both of us, like I'm saturated at this time, just I slept stuff. I was being my jocks, whatever. And so just going through from the shower to the bed and back and forth. And um, yeah, so she was standing up eventually and the, the midwife like caught the baby as it came out, um, which was pretty insane. So um, yeah. So from that point, then they turned him over and they're like, oh, it's a boy. It was like, either way, I would have been ecstatic. So yeah, it was really cool. So you didn't, you didn't do any like um, te- genetic testing or you didn't do any, um, well, they do, don't they do genetic testing with IVF already? Yeah, that's right. So uh, from the very get go, they do genetic testing um, and they came back and they told us like, oh, these ones are viable and these ones are not viable. Um, we asked them as well. It's like, well, is the non-viable ones have XXY or not? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. Because if that's so, then that's viable. And um, so, yeah, they did all that testing anyways. And we had lots and lots of scans leading up to it because of IVF and comes with IVF. There's, uh, it's like, I think it's called marginal cord where the, um, where the cord doesn't, um, the umbilical cord doesn't actually fix to the center of the placenta. It's, it's on the edge of the placenta. And sometimes that might mean that it doesn't get all the nutrients through there or the blood flow might be off. Um, so all these different risks means that we get to see our baby more often in the scans. Um, yeah. So that was, what did, what did you say? It cut out when you said, um, if you, you asked if the, if the baby was, X, if, if, if the, any embryos had XXY, what was your, what, yeah. what did you say? What was your response? Oh, so, um, that they found out that none of the egg, eggs or embryos had um, XXY, but either way, um, XXY would have been viable to us, obviously. Okay. So we would have done that. That could have been a good bonding thing, but at the same, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it just, it, it just cut out and I wanted to hear your okay. answer with what, what you had to say. So oh, through the whole process, you got to see uh, ultrasounds. Did you know that you were having a boy or you guys, you guys didn't want to know? No, definitely not. Okay. I think from going through IVF, um, everything's very manufactured. It's very, mm. you know what's happening. The next step, you know what's happening. You're getting implanted with an embryo. You're doing this, you're doing that. So just in, in our eyes, it's like we just wanted one bit of magic. So it didn't matter what it was going to be. Um, and we always said, no, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. Um, so I thought that's lovely because other people get the opportunity to have something as a surprise. So why can't we have a surprise too? Which is really nice. That's that's awesome. That's a great that's a that's a good takeaway for a lot of people that end up doing IVF and in, in our community is giving yourself that opportunity to have the surprise. Um yeah. and kind of changing it up and, and just having that surprise is a huge that's that's awesome. That's a great way of putting things. So when when your boy came out and you saw it was a boy, uh how just what were, what were the days kind of after the hospital and, and uh, soaking in all the, all the time and then getting like probably getting no sleep at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was very interesting. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, little Alex came out and he had an infection when he came out. So he went, um, we had him with us for about half an hour and then he went to the nursery and he was in there for about five or six days. Okay. Uh, before he was well enough to come out and we could take him home. But even just leaving the hospital after that period of time is so weird. It's such a weird experience. You walk out of the hospital and people let you walk out with this tiny baby and you're not going to stop us. No, they're yours now. You have to look after it. Okay. No idea what we're doing. Um, I couldn't even figure out how to use the baby seat properly. So I was just like freaking out. Uh, but I figured it out eventually. So <laughs> like, in, in, like um, in the car, like putting the baby in the car and try to figure it out yeah. right then and there. With people waiting, they're waiting for you to get your stuff sorted before they can go as well. Oh man, hectic. So busy. Uh, but after that, yeah, it's such an eye opener. I thought, oh, I'm good. I've done so much reading. There's like wicked resources in Australia. Um, it's called like Raising Children. And it's a website that you can use from zero to 18. And I'm just on there reading the, every night and like, right, so they like noise, they like moving. I was running up and down the hall at nighttime trying to get him to go to sleep, singing and clapping and being really loud. I found out that was definitely not the way to go. Um, but <laughs> I just don't know anything there. No. Oh, so, your, your neighbors um, must have been going wild. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, they're going to kill this kid. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't have anyone cool around us. Uh, but after that, just slowly getting used to it. Um, we think he might have had colic when he was younger that's just like like free flux mm -hmm. and just unsettledness so yeah he's definitely been uh, a harder baby to get to sleep but he's definitely likes routine so once we've got the routine down pat it's making our lives easier and if we just stick to it then we can get some sleep at night uh, which is good so he's kind of uh, like you definitely a... he needs routine yeah. just, like, just like you do yeah yeah definitely definitely um but he's definitely better now. It's a definitely a hard year for sure to get through. Um, and also when it's hot here in summer, I don't know how to convert it to, from Fahrenheit to Celsius, but if it's like 45 degrees outside, the Celsius to Fahrenheit is about double. 40, 45, that's hot here. 45 uh, C to Fahrenheit. I think that's like, oh my gosh, that's 113 degrees. That is like... Yeah, so... It's like super hot outside and you've got a baby inside with the aircon on. It's like, okay, we don't know if we're going to overdress you, underdress you, or who knows. And then there's a whole nother system. You're used to dressing your clothes, just like large, extra large, yeah, or, or one, one, two, three. And then there's a whole nother system when you're sleeping babies, there's all in TOG rating in Australia. So it's like a point two, a, a one TOG, a two TOG. I don't know. Why is it so difficult? I'm sure our parents just dressed us in blankets and sheets. Yeah, there's all these. Yeah. There's there's the same here. There's all these rules. Like we used to sleep on our stomachs when we were growing up, but now you don't allow. Like you cannot let a baby sleep on their stomach when they're in the crib. It's got to be like on their back. And then there's all these like you can't put pillows or blankets in there. Like they have to be rat. They have to be like wearing like a onesie with like that's built in with yeah. different levels of of whether yeah my sister yeah. sister's got three kids so she's had to go through that whole process yeah yeah it's, it's crazy just 
you learn one thing and then you have to learn a trillion other things and then there's always something there that you can buy that will help you but it does the same thing as the basic thing that you already have yeah so, exactly yeah. so what's kind of now that you've been you know I, I saw that you recently made a post on your social media and facebook about you know you're, you're not on there very often and um he's yeah. like dad i want to want to be on this podcast he with is you. a busy body he <laughs> is non-stop non-stop he is definitely not one to sit around um yeah sorry no yeah so go ahead normally i don't do many uh posts on social media as of late um i've just been focusing more on our uh core family um but i just wanted to say it's been a one hell of a year and i'm, I'm super happy that everybody's helped us along the way um yeah that was really all it was i mean it was it was kind of a reminder that I was like shocked when I saw it because I hadn't talked to you in two years. I didn't even know that you had a kid, and 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 then yeah. here you are signed up for the podcast. It, you know everything happens for a reason, and here you're sharing yeah. your story. Um, what what's dad life been like for you? Like you know, um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Dad life's been hard for sure. Um, I guess like from the very get go, just just getting used to, still getting used to Kleinfelders, getting used to like tea getting used to all that and then on top having another person rely you know, relying on you to stay alive um, but it's just yeah it's coming really good i think it's actually helped me out a lot uh really come to terms with everything and go well actually dna is definitely not everything so i mean if you're wanting to have a family i don't think that needs to limit you to have a family if it's your sperm or not because ultimately you're going to love the child. You're going to put all your everything into it. And yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. I yeah, really appreciate it of having a child now. So, he, would, yeah. he wouldn't be here like your son knowing his little quirks and knowing these things. Like if you had sperm, he wouldn't be here. And that's right. This, that's you right. know, and, and that's what Gareth Landley, he's a, a, an advocate for the organization in Ireland. And he's been in some of the papers and he's like, I'm so glad I don't have sperm because I have two beautiful twins and they wouldn't be here and, and they wouldn't, you know, mm -hmm. they, their life would not be here if it wasn't for me being like having this diagnosis. And he said that that's really helped him accept himself even through, even though it's been a couple of years now. And, um, I guess what has, you know, you just, you just dropped some good advice for some of the XXY guys out there that might be going through the same thing. What are you, are you struggling with anything now still um, after you've gone through this and, and, you know, with XXY or Kleinfilter, is there anything that you're struggling with? Um, I was struggling with a while ago and um, probably like the end of last year, I was really struggling with, with like life and work and, and I guess and everything just really getting too much for me. And I felt like I was uh, bubbling over. Um, and then I went and saw, uh, my professor at the hospital uh, about it because I have catch-ups with them every every six months uh, and uh, with the endocrinologist I should say uh, and he just suggested to me that um, I tried just like a low dosage of uh, antidepressant and it would just like normalize that for you because obviously still getting used to the testosterone still getting that like being really short just everything was overwhelming me um, and I, I just, I was normally opposed to taking anything like that, but I said, why not? Like, let's just give it a try. There's no harm. And since then it just made everything so much easier to deal with. So 
it's just like instead of me bubbling over with all my thoughts and ideas and and i gotta do work i gotta do this gotta look after alex gotta cook dinner gotta do this like it just makes it easier to deal with um and i guess i what i want to say is just that it's not bad to help yourself out sometimes as well when if life gets too much um try it like just if worst case scenario you can stop taking the tablet or whatever but i just found like it's really helped it out and i don't snap at people anymore especially my loved ones i would just be like getting antsy and be aggressive I just that's not me i know people have said that before is like if they're on t just they turn into someone that's not them um so i get that too and but i guess you can also hopefully try and find something that works for you as well I mean, thank you for sharing that because that's something intimate and that's something personable, like really personal that, you know, there's a stigma around mental health and there's a stigma around like being on, you know, pills and things because it's, you don't learn the coping mechanisms, but at the same time, like while you're in it, it might be hard to deal with what you're going through and then also trying to learn the coping mechanisms for what you're dealing with and having with XXY and and having everything kind of just come all at once, like not only do you have Klein filter, but you, you know, you have this Klein filter XXY condition that nobody knows about. Then you also get diagnosed with infertility. So you're a man that's not only having to deal with like infertility is a huge aspect that a lot of people don't think men can be infertile. And, or if they are, they're such a sl- like small percentage. And when you Google male infertility in general, or you look on social media, there are no men talking about their infertility. It's always women and doctors or educators. And so getting opening it up right now and like sharing your story is not only helping like the men with XXY, but just men in general that are all over health, like, you know, with, with uh, infertility as well. So like you're going through, you're putting yourself through so much by, you know, learning about these things. And then, and then now I'm, I'm sure that you're kind of going back into your past and being like, okay, I'm learning about Kleinfelter. I'm more interested in learning about it because I want to know more about it so I can help myself in the future. But you're also like going back in your past and being like, oh, like, yeah, okay, I did struggle here. I did have these situations like, oh, yeah, I've had to take more naps my whole life. Like, and that helps you like come to more. I think that helps a lot of guys come to more acceptance with it. Like, oh, yeah, this has been a part of me my whole life. I just kind of recently have found out that I had it and like, I'm not going to let it defeat me. I'm not going to let it. Cause like, I remember talking to you two years ago and I was like, look, like you just got diagnosed with this, but like, who were you bef- yesterday? Like, who were you the day before? You're still, this, you're still the same person. Like you haven't, just cause you have this diagnosis doesn't mean that you're not the same person that you were before. Yeah. So I, I guess like in, in kind of closing, what, what what would some of the things that you'd offer or say uh, you know to the uh, you know you've talked to Tom and and Jeff and you know now you're you're now you're becoming a light for more guys right like I'm gonna when more guys from Australia um, reach out or anyone that reaches out want to talk to people I'm gonna be like hey you know here's a couple more people to talk to what would you say to you know um, the men that are going through what you went through I guess that in the in the beginning just be just be easy to yourself. Um, it just takes time to process everything. Um, I would try every option. If you're in the fertility realm, like I tried everything, uh, it wasn't successful for myself. 
don't be hard on yourself if 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 donosperm's not for you that's fine like it's all good too um just that's really just just be kind to yourself and give yourself time to process it if you need someone to talk to i'm always happy to talk to you appreciate it man i mean it's been wonderful just sharing a little bit about your life and sharing your fertility story and i really appreciate you coming forward and you know having the courage to put yourself out there and share your story because it it's going to have an impact on not only the men with xxy that are being diagnosed but all the newly diagnosed mothers um who are being told to terminate um so i really appreciate it and, and thank you so much oh, thank you as well but